Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look to your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea. Whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This is God's word for us today. This morning, we're blessed to have John Haynes, who's going to bring the message to us this morning. Good morning, Redemption Church. It's good to see all of you. Let's open up with a word of prayer before we dive into Psalm 8. God, we thank you for giving us the blessing and opportunity to come together as your church once again this morning. We thank you for creating us, that this morning the breath that we have, whatever health we have, all the provisions that you've given us even up to this point this morning are because of you. God, we thank you that we are completely and fully dependent upon you as our God and our creator. God, we thank you for giving us the opportunity and privilege this morning to study Psalm 8, to look at the way in which your name is glorified throughout all the earth. God, I pray that you would use this time together to grow us, to fix our minds upon you and upon the role that you've given us in glorifying your name and demonstrating its majesty throughout the earth. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When my kids were little and we would have conversations about God, they would often lead to the same question. Where is he? Like, where, where is God? And so I talk about how God is spirit and God is everywhere and he's, I wouldn't use words like omnipresent, but I try to convey that to three and four and five-year-olds. And they would again come back to that basic question, right? Where is he, though? If he's here, I should be able to see some kind of demonstrated presence, some way in which he is tangibly known. And I think the, the same is true for all of us at times. We yearn to see God's presence made known. We yearn to see how he's glorified in the world around us, especially in our current circumstances with a pandemic that won't quite end, injustices in society that don't seem to change or make much progress, political divisions that run deep, wildfires that rage in the West. There are a lot of things that may prompt us to think, where is God? Is he here? And if so, how? How is his presence made known? So if you have not already turned to Psalm 8, if you could do that for me, that would be great. Because in Psalm 8, written by David, we see that in fact God is present, that he is indeed making his name known 
throughout the earth in ways that are observable, in ways that are demonstrated and right before us, but in ways that, if you're like me, are easy to overlook. And so what I want us to do as we go through Psalm 8 together this morning is highlight first a truth that David touches on two times. They're the the bookends of Psalm 8 that will then launch us into two questions that will lead us to our big idea. And you see that initial truth that I want us to highlight in verses 1 and verse 9, where David says this, and you heard Ron read it, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. These are the, the bookends of the psalm, the way in which David begins and ends, which should convey something to us this morning, and that is, this is a pretty important point. And so with the help of some concordance, we might rephrase it this way just to structure our our study through Psalm 8, that God is glorified throughout all the earth. God is glorified throughout all the earth. His majesty, as David said, is made known. Now, the first question that that prompts for us, though, is we think about that truth that David highlights, that his glory is made known, his presence is demonstrated, his majesty is seen, is this. How? How is God's glory made known throughout the earth? How is it that we see it demonstrated here throughout the earth? And we see it in verse 2. Notice what David says. He says, Out of the mouth of babies and infants you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. Now, I'm no biblical translator, and those of you that know me well know that to be the case. And so I I never want to cast any kind of doubt or undermine uh, a translator's work without good cause or without knowledge. But I will just say from a layperson's standpoint, when I read verse 2 of Psalm 8 in the ESV, it's, it's a little bit clunky for me. What exactly does it mean, for example, that God has established strength because of his foes to still the enemy and the avenger out of the mouths of babies and infants? And so I think this is a case where it's helpful to, and I'm sure that the the translators of the ESV would even convey this to us, where it's helpful to look at other places where this psalm is used in the scriptures, and even to look at maybe another translation to see, can it help us get at what exactly David is saying here under inspiration of the Spirit about how God has revealed his glory. And so thankfully for us, this is actually a psalm that Jesus quotes in Matthew 21, In Matthew 21, 16, here's what Jesus says in reference to, or as he quotes verse 2 of this psalm, out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. And the the NIV's translation, I think, also helps us hone in on the, the big idea here, not the big idea, but a big idea here from the text, and that is, here's how it reads in the NIV, through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. So how is it then that God is glorifying his name in the earth? It's through the praise of lowly humans. God is glorifying his name throughout the earth through the praise of lowly humans. And we get the, the, the lowly sense that David's highlighting when it comes to humanity both in verse 2 but then we also see it in the context for Jesus' quotation of it. Look at the imagery in verse 2 there. Babies and infants. It's out of the mouths of babies and infants that praise of God is coming forth and demonstrating God's glory throughout the earth. Now, there are a lot of things that come to mind 
when I think about babies and infants, and I'm sure the same is true for you. Cute, adorable, cooing, sometimes smelly, but certainly what doesn't come to mind is strong, independent, fully capable. There is a lowly nature about small children. There is a lowly nature in which children, infants, babies are in fact dependent, completely resting on someone else to maintain their survival and to keep them alive. But I think it's also fascinating to look at the context for Jesus's quote of Psalm 2, which I think further highlights that there is a, a lowliness, a humility of humanity that is being touched on here in this psalm. And let me just read you the context for Jesus' quotation of Psalm 2. This is Matthew 21, verses 14 through 16. And here's what Jesus says. Oh, excuse me, here's what Matthew says. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read? Out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. The reality is that God's glory is demonstrated on earth through the praise of lowly humanity, through the praise of lowly humans. And here's the fact that we need to focus on this morning for ourselves. The imagery is clear, babies, children, but we also see from the larger context in which Jesus quotes the psalm that the emphasis is on the fact that whether we are babies or infants or regardless of our age, we all, and the scriptures would bear witness to this, are lowly. We all are weak, completely dependent upon God for our sustenance, completely dependent. So I want you to think about this for a moment. How is God glorified on earth? Through the praise of lowly humans. Now, if you think about God and all of his grandeur, all that he's created, who he is, this should prompt a second question for you. And it should prompt a second question for all of us. And it's this. Why? Why is God so concerned with lowly humans? Note that this is also David's question in the text. When you look back at verse 1, you see David saying, to God, you have set your glory above the heavens. And then he observed that God glorifies himself also through lowly humanity. And it seems that as David contemplates these two things side by side, God's glory in the heavens, the praise of lowly humanity, David then asks what we see in verses three and four. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? and the son of man that you care for him. Well, thankfully for us, David also answers this question of why it is that God is even concerned with lowly humans like us in the first place. People who are weak, completely dependent upon uh, him for everything. Here's what David says in verses five through eight, that God is concerned with lowly humans because of who he's made them to be. Look again with me at, at five through eight here where David says, yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, 
and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. So it seems to be the case that what gives God concern for lowly humanity is something about who he's made them to be. And this language here in verses five through eight should perhaps make you think about another cross-reference, another place in the scriptures where we see this language used about humans being given rule or dominion over all things, over all creation. And I think a, a mirror passage is Genesis 1.26, where we see the same kind of language being used, where God is creating humans and giving them this rule and this dominion. And so here's what the author of Genesis says, and specifically what God says in Genesis 1, that I think adds a, an additional dimension to this that'll help us understand why it is that God is even concerned with glorifying himself on earth through lowly humans. Here's Genesis 1:26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. You notice the way that that verse starts. Then God said, let us make man in our image, a testament to God's creation of us as lowly humans, as humbled humans, being made in his image is that he's given us a, a, a level of dominion, a level of rule, an ability to, to work with what's he's, what he's created, to, to leverage with what he's created, to have some oversight over it. And the very fact that we are created to reflect his image, in his image, is the very reason why God himself is then concerned with us as lowly human beings. So why is God concerned with lowly humans? Because he's created them in his image to rule over his creation. And so hopefully, as we've explored these two questions that follow from the big truth that God has glorified himself on earth, we begin to see the big idea of Psalm 8 coming to the surface for us this morning. And it's this, that God is glorified on earth through the praise of lowly people created in his image. I'll read that one more time. That God is glorified on earth through the praise of lowly people created in his image. It's quite a bit to apply here. So I want us to, to take this big idea and think about what does this mean for us now? Right here in our lives, in this local setting, in this local congregation. And the first point of application I want us to see this morning is this, that God made you in his image to glorify him. You often hear these big existential questions asked in our society. We ask them from time to time, I'm sure. Like, what's the purpose of life? Why am I here? What is my purpose? What am I supposed to do with this life that I've been given? And it all comes back to this foundational truth that David is highlighting under inspiration of the Spirit through Psalm 8, that you and every human have been created in his image to glorify himself on earth. God made you in his image to glorify himself on earth through your praise. Now, I think the moment we contemplate that, that that is why we've been made, that that is why we're here. It doesn't take us long to realize that we are doing a poor job <laughs> collectively as lowly humanity fulfilling that. 
and we always have. That rather than exalt and praise the God who's made us in his image, we've done exactly the opposite. We exalt self, we praise self, we angle in our life circumstance, life circumstances to try to bring glory and majesty to our names, right, instead of God's name. So I want you to think about where this problem of self-exaltation rather than praising of God leaves our big idea if unchecked. God is glorified on earth through the praise of lowly people created in his image, but our sinful nature leads us to praise ourselves rather than him. This is the fundamental problem of humanity. This is the fundamental problem of the human condition that all things go back to. Problems that we highlighted earlier in the intro, things in society that we see that we recognize aren't right, things in our own lives that are causing problems with relationships, whether it's with family or friends, it all goes back to this fundamental problem that we do not, in fact, praise the very God who's made us in his image to be praised, to be glorified on earth. And the Bible makes it clear that this rebellion has consequences. The consequences of it are death. So here's the second point of application. And it's good news for this problem. That Jesus Christ, the Holy Son of God, glorified God on earth by becoming a human and fixing our problem. That God himself... Jesus Christ, God's one and only Son, entered lowly humanity, taking upon human flesh to fix this fundamental problem that we've highlighted, the problem of failing to exalt and praise the one who's made us and seeking to exalt ourselves instead. Now, one of the wonderful things about this psalm is not only is it quoted by Jesus in Matthew, but it also is quoted again in Hebrews, and I think it helps to fill out this second point of application of what Jesus has done to remedy the fact that we have not praised God and glorified him having been made in his image. So I'm going to read Hebrews 2, verses 6 through 8, and you're going to see a lot of Psalm 8 being quoted here. But you'll see that there's, it's being done so in reference to Jesus and in what he's done to remedy this fundamental problem. So here's what the author of Hebrews says. It has been testified somewhere, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. It is interesting that the author of Hebrews quotes Psalm 8 here in reference to Jesus. Jesus is now the one who is being referred to in passages or with passages and words like, you made him for a little while lower than the angels. So why? Why this, why this referencing of Psalm 8 to Jesus himself. And here's why, and I think the book of Hebrews as a whole fills this out quite, quite well, of course, that Jesus humbled himself by entering lowly humanity and actually did what we could not do, praise God perfectly. The exact representation of his image, we'll see more of this as Pastor Danny gets into Colossians, where a lot of this is, is focused on. 
But we see Jesus becoming for a little while lower than the angels, humbling himself in order to suffer death, right? In order to do exactly like the author of Hebrews says, to suffer death so that by the grace of God, he might taste, taste death for everyone. Jesus has taken the judgment that we deserve for exalting ourselves instead of him. He has taken the condemnation, bore it upon himself for our decision to praise ourselves rather than the God who created us. And here's the beautiful part, that he holds out to us, to you, to anyone this morning, hope, forgiveness, and eternal life for all who turn to him in faith. And that leads to our third point of application, that one of the major outcomes of this wonderful work of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has humbled himself, taking on human flesh to make right what we have made wrong, is that as his people, for those of us who are resting in him, trusting in him for our forgiveness and our redemption, can now glorify him and make his presence known through our lives and through the local church. God is glorified on earth through the praise of his church, who Jesus Christ died to redeem. Brothers and sisters, when we are loving each other within the context of the local church, within the context of redemption, we are making God's glory known on earth in a very observable way. God is receiving the praise of lowly humans like us, redeemed by his grace, now living out a life of obedience and love for Jesus in a way that proclaims God's glory. So where is God's presence seen and known this morning? Right here in Redemption Church. Everything that's happened here this morning, the musical worship, the reading of scripture, um, everything about our corporate gatherings as a church make God's presence known here on earth through redeemed, lowly, humbled humanity. And it's all to the praise of God. It's a supreme privilege we have. And it challenges me and maybe you on those days where busyness gets in the way of focusing our thoughts on the corporate worship service we're about to enter, where the work problem from the past week that I can't stop ruminating about continues to, to challenge me. All of this should be brought to bear on those things that would be stumbling blocks to the life that we have within this local church, that this is an opportunity to be together to make his presence known. And not just here, but also in our small groups, in our individual lives, recognizing that even when we are separate, we are still a part of Redemption Church and this local body of believers. And so this should motivate us to be among God's people, to live out our faith wherever God has us. And so I, I wanna leave you with this question to contemplate here this morning and encourage you to take it into the week with you. How will you praise God in your life, in your circumstances, in a way that makes his glory and presence known to those around you? Let's pray. God, I thank you that in your grace and mercy, you have chosen to make your presence and your glory known among lowly humans. God, if we're being honest with ourselves, we are in fact lowly. We are in fact completely dependent upon you for everything, for sustenance, for provisions, for the very breath that fills our lungs on a second-to-second -second basis. And God, we confess this morning, and I confess that we both take that for granted and 
at times believe that in fact we are somehow independent, that somehow the very breath that fills our lungs, the food that fills our stomachs, whatever it might be that is good is somehow due to us. And God, I pray that you would help us to be challenged this morning to recognize that you've created us, that you have given us the ultimate privilege of praising you for who you are, for who you have revealed yourself to be through, through your scriptures, through creation, and then to let that compel us and motivate us to live in a way that does just that, glorify you, reveal your, your presence and your goodness to a world around us that is in dire need of knowing the gospel just as we were and are. God, I thank you for your church, that through the, the work of Jesus Christ, the God-man, your only son, that we are brought into a perfect relationship with you and that we have fellowship now with each other among those who believe in Jesus and have the great privilege of coming together and gathering to do here in Wauwatosa the very thing that David spoke of in Psalm 8, making your glory known, revealing your majesty through the worship and the praise that takes place here. God, help us not to take that for granted. I pray that you would help us to carry that with us throughout the week in our work conversations or conversations with friends or neighbors or family, recognizing that we have opportunities to praise you. We have opportunities to honor you. And that in those moments, even as small and insignificant as they may seem to us, we are in fact making your glory known. Thank you for that. We pray for all this in Jesus' name. Amen.